God is good. So last week, God moved in this place. We had 10 people, 10 salvations. And from the first service, the second service, and our online campus, we had over 200 people at our online, at, on Easter Sunday here at Act. Come on, you can do better than that. That's big time. It's our biggest Easter yet. We had, uh, like I said, first service, our second service uh, was packed out, and our online service was uh, um, packed out too. God is doing miraculous things in this place, and uh, we only can celebrate him. He did it all. And um, all glory to God. And um, thank you for all the volunteers that were part of our Easter experience that sacrificed their time to make it all happen. So thank you so much. And then next week as well is Baptism Sunday. So as Pastor Ryan and Pastor Jess was saying, we want you to get baptized. So get baptized. Go to our This Is Home corner. Get connected there. And then we're feeding as well. And last week, we started um, a series called I Am. I am. We've been talking about the seven I am sayings of, of, of Jesus himself. And before I start all this, I, I need to give credit where credit is due. Um, the reality is this, you know, growing up in ministry, you, 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 don't, you don't know what tomorrow holds. And um, I don't get a lot of opportunities to do this. So I'm going to take the opportunity because I'm the pastor and I have the mic, okay? And um, so... Um, there's a couple, Pastor Woosley, uh, Melissa, and Paul Woosley, they're um, Hannah's parents. Hannah's parents are in the building. And um, they, they took an opportunity on a very rebellious 23-year-old kid um, years ago to be their youth pastor who never been a youth pastor ever in my, in my life. I've been a children's pastor, and Pastor Woosley, Pastor Melissa, they gave us an opportunity. We wouldn't be here without them. So let's give all credit where credit is due. Thank you so much. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it. And probably you didn't want to do it either, but you did it, and we're there, okay? <laughs> Amen. But we started a series last, uh, last, um, last week on I am, and God's I am, uh, Jesus' I am sayings, it reveals his nature. There's different things that God has been called throughout the scriptures, but these seven sayings were really indicated what Jesus' mission was on this earth and what his nature and what the kingdom he was trying to present to all around. Obviously, it started with the Israelites, but he was trying to present himself in ways that they will relate to, but also that will revolutionize their minds and everything around them. You got to understand that these people had one way and one way. You know, you know those people that, they, that they, it's their way or the highway. You know what I'm talking about? Don't point to your husband or don't do that. Don't do that, okay? It's their way or the highway. These Israelite people, they thought a certain way that the Messiah was going to come and presented himself in a certain way, but Jesus came and changed it all. It, it shook the religious systems of the day, and he started declaring these I am sayings to, to, to make this mission come forward. And we see from the beginning in the book of Exodus, Moses seen in a burning bush, he, he, he says, God, I know you want me to go to Pharaoh and I know you want me to go say, hey, let my people go. But what name do you tell me to go to? And he said, what? I am, which it meant all authority was in his hands. All authority, what he said he was going to do, he came and did. So that means that you in your life, you can hold him to his word because he is a God that never fails. 
He's a God that is still true. He still heals because he is the I am. And if he was the I am before, what I am can be in your life today. If you really change your life, if you really ask him into your heart, if you really change and open the doors to his life, the I am can come and change your life as well. And last week we talked about how he is the, he is the light of the world and also he is the um, resurrection and in the life. And today I want to talk about two I am sayings that Jesus said himself that I love and I, and I hope that you get something from today. The first one is this. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. See, some of us should get excited about this because the Israelite people thought their Messiah was going to come in a different form that Jesus did. See, they, 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 they thought the, the Messiah was going to come and be a big general, like a person to come and, and be part of the armies of Israel and take all the, ta- take all the territory. So, territory. so they, they thought that he was the I am. So his name was supposed to be the general. Some thought that he would, they were going to come and basically like just smack Rome in the face, you know. So some thought that he was going to be the Rome destroyer. I love wrestling growing up. WWE, all right? WWC, WCW a little bit, all right? One of my favorite wrestlers was The Rock. Super basic. I understand that, okay? The Rock. When you heard... The song, come on. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Uh, automatically, you knew what was going to happen. Automatically, you knew this man was going to come. He was, he was going to put the eyebrow up. All, uh, the, the thought, like the, the, everything was about to change. Everything was about, somebody was going to get the people's elbow. Somebody's got to get the smackdown. It was, the, it was coming off. It was the rock. So they would come, you know, coming from, you know, Miami, the rock, uh, and then everybody's going crazy, and he's just, it's, it's amazing. But I, I can't, this is how my brain works sometimes. What if Jesus was like a wrestler? And they come in, and they said, coming in, six foot one, 198 pounds. That is it's not biblical. I just made that up. 109, my man was big, all right? Six foot one, coming from Bethlehem, but raised in Nazareth. The one you've been waiting for, Jesus, the shepherd. You're cheering now, but the Israelites were like, the shepherd? I mean, I wanted to be like the person to come as the destroyer. The one that was going to take it down. Rome was going. But it was a letdown to the Israelite people. They're all excited. They're excited. God comes in and says, guess what I'm going to be to you? A shepherd. A shepherd. A shepherd was one of the lowest jobs in, in the town. I mean, these people were looked at like, oh, the scum of the earth at some times. I mean, these were with dumb sheep. And the Messiah, the one that we, we, they, they were waiting for, is coming now saying, I am a good shepherd. It wrecked their minds. But do you understand that he needed to be the shepherd for the kingdom of God to come forward? 
that the kingdom that he was trying to present in this world was not of force, but of peace. And it changed their minds forever. The Messiah, the good shepherd. See, we read here in John chapter 10, verse 11 and 18, we see here how the good shepherd presents itself because Jesus didn't come to present a man-made religion or man-made kingdom. No, he was bringing a kingdom that would not ever be shaken. The shepherd, the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11, verse 18 says, I am a good shepherd. The shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. He, he is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolves coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolves snatch them and scatter them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as a father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so that so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For the reason the father loves me because I laid down my life, down my life that I may take it up again. Here, Jesus describes in detail the level of care that is provided by the shepherd. See, the shepherd cared for his sheep. See, some of us are feeling alone. Some of us feeling in a, 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 a silos all alone. There's chaos all around. Can I, can, I, can I just tell you this morning that the shepherd wants to care for you? Someone needs to hear that. That in the midst of the chaos in life, doesn't matter what you did, the good shepherd wants to care for you. In this verse, what, is, what does this say? It says he, he lays down his life for his sheep. If you haven't noticed, you're the sheep. You're the one that stinks, smelling, annoyed sometimes. And I'm pointing to, like all the fingers are this way too. He lays down his life for the sheep. He protects the sheep from attacks. He will not abandon his sheep. He cares for his sheep. He searches for his sheep and bring him back to the pen. He knows his sheep and loves his sheep. If you notice, they talk about this hired hand and then the good shepherd. See, the hired hand was just somebody that was there just to a placeholder. And when the attacks came, what happened to the hired hand? He peaced out and the, and the sheep were destroyed. But then it talks about the shepherd. The good shepherd was there caring for the sheep. And do not look towards the hired hand, but look towards the good shepherd to protect you, to care for you. So you understand that the enemy can present something that seems appealing at first. He's the hired hand. It, it's a form of protection. It's a form of security. But when, when things hit the crappers, what happens? The enemy puts guilt and shame on you. But I thought I was secured in my resources. 
But I thought I was secured in my job. I thought I was secured in that relationship. But sometimes the enemy uses things and puts things in our, in our, in our path that gives us a sense of security, but the good shepherd gives us the security that we need. And sometimes, if we're honest, we rely more on the hired hand than the good shepherd. But I'm here to tell you today, get back to the good shepherd. The good shepherd is protecting, is caring you. The shepherd is intentional in your life. The shepherd gives you grace. It gives you care. It's forward thinking. It's hard. The good shepherd is a hard worker in your life. He, 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 he's built for the attacks that the enemy has come. Do you understand that? Because what Jesus did last week on a tomb, he won the battle already. He knows what the, the end to this battle that you're dealing with. He is the good shepherd. Jesus came as a shepherd to take care of his prized possession, his sheep, which is you. Do you know, understand, he, you are his prized possession. Amen. They said that if a she, the, these shepherds, this was their livelihood, taking care of these smelly sheep and sheep poop. No, not your sheep, my sheep poop. He had to deal. So if one, sh if one of the sheep were astray, it, uh, it affected him personally because that was part of what he had to live off of. So that shepherd would go, you know the verse, leave the 99 to get the one. Have you ever felt about that? Have you, have you ever felt like that one sheep? You're all alone on an island all alone, dealing with your own issues. Can I tell you that the good shepherd will leave everything else and go get you? Has he done that for somebody today? See, he's the care. He cares for his sheep. The shepherd has full authority and he cares for you. You are the sheep to his pasture. The second thing, as we know now what the good shepherd does, there's a second I am saying that Jesus did. It says this, I am the gate for the sheep. John chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. The shepherd's role was to guide and protect the sheep. Similar to religious systems back then, that they were supposed to protect the people of Israel but in reality, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were supposed to protect, but they really took advantage. That's why Jesus came in the picture and said, hey, you vipers, you're doing this all wrong. I need to come into the picture. And like, that's not how you care for people. And Jesus said, now I am the gate. I am the gate. See, Jesus didn't come with pride and arrogance. He came with humility and selflessness. Because he was breaking the mold of what people thought. He said, I am, and this is the new way. See, to fully understand what the gate was, the door for the sheep, you have to understand the shepherd's job and looking into the first century as a shepherd boy. So a shepherd boy would have a staff. He would take care of the sheep. He would take the sheep to a pasture, be there for, for, uh, for all the whole day, and then towards the end of the day, he would have to take the sheep and put them in a pen. So we didn't have a sheep pen, so we have a baby gate, all right? Roll with it. Budget cuts, all right? 
So if you pretend, let's use our imagination, remember, all right? Barney days, imagination, all right? So the job of a shepherd was at night to take all the sheep and put them into the pen. Let's see if I can open this, okay? It said that the shepherd was very intentional on how he did this. He would literally line up the sheep and one sheep at a time would get into the pen. It wasn't like this pile driver, like it just, why did he do that? Because he had to check for each sheep if any sheep was either hurt or scratched up so he can mend their wounds. Let me stop right there. Before he got, before the sheep got into the pen, he was so intentional to see if they were hurt, to mend their wounds before they got into the pen. I'm here to tell you today that he can care for your wounds. He's not scared of the hurts that you have. He's not scared of the pains that you have. He's not scared of the baggage that you bring. But he's saying, as you come to the pen, I'm such a good shepherd that I will stop the line to mend your, to, to, to have your healing in this moment. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter what place you are in your life. When the shepherd gets you to the pen and he sees that you're hurting, he wants to mend you at that moment. It's not a, you don't have to be perfect to get to him. No, he said, hey, you're already jacked up. I'll take you just as you are. I need to, you need some healing in your life. You need some Holy Spirit in your life. You need a community that's going to uplift you. I'm going to mend what the enemy thought was your destruction. And another cool thing that happened was he would count the sheep. Like we said, if there was a sheep missing, my man would put it and go get that sheep. If it, it, it would take all night sometimes to find a sheep. And in the midst of finding the sheep, there was dangers on the outside. Wolves. We talk, it said wolves were coming to destroy. So the the shepherd will put himself in a vulnerable position to find you. You thought you were lost. You thought that, that, that you were so far off that, that God wouldn't care for you. No, 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 no. I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's done to you. The good shepherd will go seek you to bring you into where you need to be. Stop running from the shepherd. The reason why we don't like the shepherd to bring us back to the, to the pen is because we know that when we come back to the pen, he has to be in control and not us. Because if we really think about it, those wounds that we are dealing with, we've been so accustomed to them, it became our identity. And we'd rather live with the wounds than get them healed because if we really get them healed, that means I got to change some things in my life. And that means I got to give up some control. I'm here to tell you it's better for you to come broken, disgusted to the Lord and heal and get healed than go into the world and try to do it on your own. Because when you do it on your own, you're going to mess it up 100% of the time. Can I challenge you? Even though it hurts, even though it strips your pride, get to the gate. Get to the place where God wants you to heal. 
For far too long in the church, we have thrown, uh, you know, God, come to the altar, we'll shake you a couple times, but you, there's no healing that happens. Because we want to shake you, but we don't want to disciple you. I'm here to tell you that the... the, the that the, the good shepherd wants to, it might be a process. Some of us, it was a process. There's a lot of prayers mom and dad had to do to get you to the place that you're in. But I'm here to tell you, when you're here, the responsibility is yours to continue to get into the pen. We have to get to the shepherd, the good shepherd. Okay, so now he counted the sheep. He mended their wounds. While all the sheep were in, this is the best part. It said that the shepherd knew that every area of the pen was protected besides the opening to get the sheep in. So if you knew first century shepherding, it said that the shepherd would put himself in front of the gate and lay down there to protect the sheep throughout the night. If any wolf came, the first person that would get attacked is the shepherd. He was so intentional to protecting the sheep. He said, I will put myself in front of the gate to protect what is the most cherished possession of me. You think that your life is worthless? You think that God doesn't care about you, but he sits at the front of the gate of your life and say, whatever arrows that the enemy's trying to present to you, whatever the enemy's trying to kill your, de destroy your purpose, I'm here at the gate to protect what the enemy is my most cherished possession. You are his sheep. So in this way, these, pe these people, the Israelite people, we're hearing these things that Jesus was saying and are blown away like, what are you talking about? But he was trying to change their mindset of who is in control of their life. I'm here to tell you today that the good shepherd wants to care for you, but he also wants to protect you. But from the moment of caring and protecting, there has to be a will. And it has to be his will and not yours. Amen. And that's where we stop. I don't even know where I'm in my notes. I just need you to know today. He cares for you. He, he wants to protect your mind. He, he cares about those little things that you think are just little. It's big to him and he wants to protect it. He wants to care for you. You know why? Because you're worth it. He said, I knew I was going to die on that cross. And I needed to give you some mindsets to live by because this world is going to get worse. So by him declaring these things that he was presenting to the world, it was really our declaration to live our lives by. To know that I am the shepherd. See, here's the problem. We don't like it because we need to identify who God is and who we are. Sometimes we want to be the shepherd of our lives. I'm the good shepherd of my life. I can tell you where I'm going. I have my five-year plan. But I'm here to tell you, planning is good, but plan with an open hand. 
have enough, have enough space in your plan for God to move. Because if we don't have space for God to move, eventually the plan will be destruction. Because this is God's working in our life. I know this seems foreign to some of us, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus is real. Let's just go basic right now. He is real. Like a real guy died on the cross who was all man and all God. Don't listen to what culture tells you. Don't turn off YouTube for a minute. Because the reality is, it says in the word of God, in the last days, people will come with doctrines that are going to itch your ears. That means going to sound enough truth. But if you're not grounded in the shepherd that is directing your life, you're going to be straight away and you're going to be all over the place. I'm here to tell you, you got to get in your word. Let me tell you this. Sundays is not enough. I don't know if that's in my notes. Sundays not enough. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You need discipleship. And here at our church, if this is your church, you got to be here on Wednesdays. Because Wednesdays is where we disciple. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Listen, I've worked two on Wednesdays. I know it's hard to get over here. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to go. But it's my job to, to, to come to the pen. It's my job to get to the place where God can mend my wounds. And there's some discussions that we're having on Wednesdays that you need to know. Because we can't just read the Bible as just another book. We got to read it as our manual to our lives. And that takes intentional things. That means we got to probably not do some things to get to the pen. That means we can't probably fill our schedule up to get to the pen. That means we have to get out of our will sometimes to get to the pen. Because when we get to the pen is where lives change. Is where, you know that person that you want to be, that you always dream to be? Maybe it's just enough. Maybe you're just around the corner of you being too busy. I don't know. Somebody come up and stop me. Judex. I know you're off day, but you look great today. I just want you to get it. I'm sick of playing church, guys. I just want you to get it. I can preach until I'm blue in my face up here, but until you apply it, It's just words. And I'm here to tell you, as you apply things to your life, the good shepherd wants to protect and care for you. Why would he, if all the sayings that he would say about himself, why would he say, I'm a good shepherd and I'm at the gate? Because he wanted us to know that he is so intentional in our lives to care for us, but we have to let him. We have to let him. Riley, my daughter, she's dramatic. (laughs) All daughters, yes. She would get a cut. Like, she would get a cut, and she's she's the kind of kid like, hey, Riley, let me see it. Let me help you. She won't let you help her. Out of nowhere, there's some, a, a possession that happens that we have to cast some things out. 
Like, we're not even looking at it. She don't want you to look at it. She's, she's hurting and she's like, <laughs> like, she like starts like getting herself all hyped up in a bad way. Now, Riley, if, if you would just come to us and let us help you, you wouldn't be all this crazy right now. But isn't that how we do it with God? God, I'm hurting. <laughs> and God's like, why are you jumping? Like, we're like all freaking out, like, oh, the economy. And God's like, it's literally like a fool. Oh, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, 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 didn't I promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you? Oh, but God, I, I just don't know. I don't know how this is going to do. I, I don't know. No, no, no. And God's like, Riley, come to me. Let me put a Band-Aid on that thing. Neosporin. We're over here freaking out that we're not cared for or protected when God is like, I am the good shepherd. While you're over there worrying about tomorrow, I have tomorrow in my hands. While you're worrying about the next thing, I already have the provision on the other side. You just got to trust me. And yes, there's a cut. Yes, there's a wound. And you might have a scar to that wound. But that scar is going to be a scar to tell others, listen, I've been through that situation too. And if I got through it and Jesus mended my wounds and he healed me, so can you. The good shepherd is in the room. He wants to mend your wounds. The good shepherd is going to lead you, mend, uh, mend things in you, protect you, love you, care for you. The question is, will you let him? Would you let him? Or are we like that child that is just like, I don't know. But he knows. And you 